if someone actually believes they're less than, and no one typically does it on purpose, but what you'll see is through their actions, it, it's manifesting in a perfectionism that can never be achieved. Because it's never, I mean, it's great for the workforce because you keep achieving, 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 but it's non-sustainable. Well, hey, good day and welcome to the Consultant and the Coach podcast. How are you, Josh? Doing great, sir. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Can we start with a little celebration? Absolutely. Celebration is, for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, we had a record listening to our last podcast, which is just encouraging. So it's kind of nice when you when, when we produce content. Content, we want to help people, and it's nice to just kind of see that go yeah, you know, hey. head out. Everybody's getting excited about it. It's good. More and more people are listening every week. So, hey, today, you know, last last podcast, we were talking about, you know, five dysfunctions that will destroy your team. Mm -hmm. So I hopefully no one listened to that podcast and just left things there because today is the solution to, hey, what what can we do and what traits will actually save your team? Yep. Vitally important. But as we get into it, what what Bible verse did you come up with? Sure. As I was reading through the traits, which we'll talk about, I was reminded a lot of um, the scripture from Philippians chapter 2, talking about the mind of Christ. And obviously, um, we're never going to be as perfect as, as Christ, but obviously the goal is to have uh, that mind of Christ in us. And as we'll talk about these traits, especially humility <clears throat> and some of the others related to the scripture, this one is sort of what came to mind for me. Um, but Philippians 2, 5 through 8 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but it made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in, fa in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death, uh, even the death of the cross. And I think as we think about um, the, you know, for those listening to this and, and those who are Christian leaders, or even if you're not, you know, there's this recognition of uh, humility that comes with leadership. Yeah. And so I think of all the traits, I think that's the most important of these five that we'll talk about today. But even these others, I think you'll recognize at least some reflection in the scripture of this need to take on this servant leadership role, mm -hmm. right, as a theme um, as you're building these traits in your team for success. And what we see is that the traits go hand in hand together. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just say, hey, I'm going to do two of these and not the other other three. They literally yeah. go hand in hand. And yep. the first, you know, the, so we, if, if you're curious on the five traits that will destroy your team, listen to last week's podcast. Mm -hmm. But the first one and is the trait of equality. All people are equal. Mm -hmm. Everyone. Mm -hmm. I am equal to you. You are equal to me. I am not, no matter what happens, I am not better than you. Mm -hmm. Likewise, the entire team. Now, we're not saying we all have the same job. Mm -hmm. We're not saying we all get paid the same. Right. It's saying beneath God, everyone is equal. Mm -hmm. Why is that vitally important? Well, I think there's a there's a, I mean, there's a human nature component to that, right? Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a need to belong to an organization. There's certainly a lot of research to suggest people want to be able to contribute to a mission bigger than themselves. And any time that, you know, at least the consultants or the clients I've worked with, um, any time ego starts to get introduced, which mm -hmm. is effectively a reflection of, you know, tiering of importance, you know, you begin to have dysfunction, right? People get disconnected. People don't feel valued. People, you know, begin to quiet quitting. Here's another uh, recent, you know, trendy term that's really not that new when you think about it. But, um, 
we could put in that in a hashtag actually, quiet quitting. But um, you get these elements of dysfunctional culture because people don't feel valued. They don't mm-hmm. feel that their work is reflecting all their gifts, all their capabilities. You know, talking about Strengths Finder a few weeks ago, um, you know, talking about um, a number of other podcasts we've done around how to actually maximize the effectiveness of the people who are working with our teams, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so in, I think the lack of equality is sort of where that starts, right? This, this oh, it's better the, than. Oh, it's the base level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very corrosive, mm-hmm. right, to the culture. And now, I will say equality goes both directions. Mm-hmm. I was working with someone, very, very high performer. This individual actually thought they were less than other people. So you would look at their performance, performance KPIs off the chart. And as I'm dialing into it as a coach, I was like, you know, I I have different questions that I ask. This person actually thought they were less than other people, which was manifesting in kind of this high-end perfectionism. Hmm. So when I, you know, when one of the traits... Overcompensation over Absolutely. Because what happens is if someone actually believes they're less than, and no one typically does it on purpose, but Mm. what you'll see is through their actions, it's manifesting in a perfectionism that can never be achieved. Mm -hmm. Because it's never, I mean, it's great for the workforce because you Mm -hmm. keep achieving, 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 Mm. but it's non-sustainable. And it's, it's almost hopeless. Yeah. And so the first trait that will save our team is understanding equality. One, mm. it's not healthy for anyone to believe they're better than someone else, mm. but also not less than. Mm-hmm. And this is where, uh, you know, to bring up my own Christian faith, when I pray the Lord's Prayer, I always pray, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. Mm-hmm. And I focus on the thy will be done because what I'm saying is, I'm not more important. I'm not less important. I'm giving it over to our creator. Thy will be done is, mm-hmm. in a sense, acting as equality. Yeah. Hey, you're God. You can you can do it. And even in yeah. from a coaching sense, people say, well, I, I just wish I had this trait or I wish I had that trait. If God wanted me to have that trait, he would have given it to me. Right. <laughs> and what, you were like, well, if that's funny, but you know, he would have made me a little faster or would have given me a slightly higher... IQ in this one area, like, of course, he's God. And right. so how do we accept where we're at, which is the base level yeah. of equality? And that leads into the next trait to save our team. And I want I, let, let me, let me, let me uh, kind of say it, it's, it's shielded vulnerability. Hmm. And let me get what that means. So when I say shielded vulnerability, what will break down a team and we've talked about this, is lack of trust. Mm -hmm. So if we don't have trust, teams can't function really, really high. Mm -hmm. But on the other side is you don't want to have no rules within your organization. Mm -hmm. Because then you get, you know, we've all hung out with that person in the grocery store. You're like, you're telling way too many people about the argument or this and that. Mm. That is too much vulnerability. Sure. So the proper trait is shielded vulnerability where you're letting your team know, hey, this is where I'm at. But you're not going to go into, hey, um, and yeah, and I said this to my wife last night and just making people feel uncomfortable or I did this. And yeah. so from a consulting side, shielded vulnerability, what does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, I think there's certainly circle. We talked about this before on the podcast, circles of trust, mm-hmm. right? It, it's, it's establishing, you know, working with executive teams, CEOs, especially CEOs who many listen to this podcast. Um, it, because it's many times for CEOs and, and C-suite team lead, you know, leaders, 
you're you're in really lonely seats in these leadership roles, Mm -hmm. right? Really lonely seats. So I think one of the things to remember is that other people in the organization are not as lonely as you, right? And so when you're thinking about this shielded vulnerability, I think it changes based on your role in the organization. So how a CEO might go about um, establishing circles of trust for themselves is going to be different than how you expect your CTO or COO or CFO, Mm -hmm. which might be different than how you would expect your um, director of operations or your director of sales, right, to go, you know, so, so there's there's different ways you establish that. So I think you have to be mindful of that as a leader because I think one of the mistakes a lot of cons- uh, executives I work with in consulting is sort of you make this assumption, again, trying to be equal, mm-hmm. right, that the potential error there is that you assume everyone else has the same problems you do, right? <laughs> or right? same gifts as well too. Or same gifts, right? And that's it's really challenging in, in, in kind of, larger organizations especially because um, you the gap of loneliness sort of from the top down it kind of it gets more and more severe mm-hmm. significantly so exponentially so the higher up you get right because there's just so few people who can understand and so I think um, first you know no people are equal but don't assume people's problems are the same don't assume people's gifts are the same and then I think as I've worked with um, executives helping them put their teams in positions where they can have internal folks to rely upon circles of trust Mm -hmm. but also encouraging and strengthening their external circles of trust like where can they take those problems business problems right to circles outside networking where can they take their personal problems you know Mm -hmm. when and how is that appropriate in the workplace right so you can be effective as teams kind of around a mission of a company absolutely but not be distracted by it but also recognize and respect Mm -hmm. that there's also life happens And, and and so with shielded vulnerability we all need to be first with our creator 100% vulnerable. Granted, God knows everything anyway. Knows it all then, anyway. Might as well not lie about it. But within our companies, there are certain things to share. For example, my executive team gets one level. My team leads get another level. You know, team members get another level. But likewise, there are certain business issues that our business talks about does not get shared with people outside our company. Mm-hmm. That's another area of vulnerability and yep. shielded vulnerability and right. vice versa. Right. So, you know, what we're talking about from a coaching and consulting perspective is understand the circles that you talk about. Yeah. Where are the circles? And if there is a circle void, we're like, you know, it'd be really nice if I could talk about whatever this issue is, mm-hmm. figure out where can you do that, obviously yeah. to God, but also does it, what does that look like? Yeah. And people even, I have people on my life team, they are not in my industry and not even in the state. And I, I have, that is a little hack that I've put in because I need some shielded vulnerability in other areas that I need to just, hey, I want to process this idea that I'm going through. Right. And make a place for that yeah and 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 referring back to i think a previous episode we've referenced a book called people fuel Mm -hmm. right has has a really great exercise in there around documenting those sorts of things fuel the types of things you need and figuring out who in your in your world can help with that right and i think shielded vulnerability especially as a leader working with your teams to be successful in this is i think helping your teams document the ingredients or the things they need in their life and and who's filling those mm-hmm. right and obviously doing a gap analysis on that and if there's um if there's space to um help with that um then certainly you know then i would say teams should lean into figuring out you know filling those gaps with uh-huh. people either inside the company when appropriate more likely also a combination of folks outside the company 
also outside of industry, as you said, um, and whether those are business needs, personal needs, things like that. And this shielded vulnerability goes right into the third trait that's going to save your team, and that's one of humility. You know, I think my one of my favorites is Pat Lencioni when he says, you know, you got to be humble, hungry, smart. But humility is yeah. that base yeah. that Mind of really right. yeah. gets your team feeling safe. Mm-hmm. But also, it's it's understanding like, hey, hey, Josh, now explain that idea to me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm open to what you have to say, but mm-hmm. likewise. I should be very open to what you have to say as well, too. Mm-hmm. No one is 100% correct. So even if I'm hitting 95%, you can bring me that, you might be able to bring me that last five. Yeah. But what does humility look like? And when we're not humble, oh boy, uh, things can really go hairy. Yeah. Well, and I always like to reference, you know, we're both dads and <clears throat> kids, and I find, you know, it's a little bit easier sometimes to apply these lessons to home than work because mm-hmm. work's hard and complex and messy at times and home is too um but I'm, my kids are getting to this age where uh, <laughs> they like to point out when i break the rules oh i love that not that, love that. not that it ever happens <laughs> um but uh, you know eating food before dinner and things like that um but they they like enjoy they enjoy pointing out when i break break the rules uh because my you know, they're 10 7 and 3 and it's what they do because mm-hmm. um, they realize there's rules now and they realize that dad's not perfect and so i think you know the first step here is if you have a family think about the last time when you've actually had to admit that you were wrong whether it was significant or not significant but mm-hmm. i think you know practicing confession right of wrongdoing to people is is key even if it's in small things um but then the second test were there with uh, that I work with leaders, you know, is a, encourage them to say, well, okay, great. Um, if, if you can't even confess to your family on like little things when you're wrong, you're never going to confess big things. And if you can't confess big things, you're not going to confess in the workplace. No, you're so, not. So then the next question is, okay, when's the last time you confessed or admitted to your team you made a mistake? When, when did you invite their input? Maybe even not follow okay. it. And right? so let me throw the coaching perspective onto that. Yeah. If that hasn't happened within the last month, we need you need to work on that yep. immediately Start now. because yeah. one no one's perfect but if they're not seeing that from a leader yep. and a leader might, well, i can't show my weakness right well then yeah but then they also can't tell you something might go wrong and you're gonna get walloped yep. by a problem somewhere yeah so don't say i can't ever share anything wrong and then say well how dare you not tell me what went wrong right you know, it, it's reciprocating. Yeah. And what does that look like? And how are we humble within mm-hmm. the workforce? And, and even how are you within our family and demonstrating yeah. and within our family? Now, don't go out, go go out making mistakes so you can say, oh, "I want to show how humble I am." I'm going to screw up over here. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah. But we're striving for perfection and curious. What does that look like? Right. On anything, um, and I think the hard thing with being humble is it fly so i'm very pro being as politically correct as possible but sometimes the beauty the beauty with kids <laughs> is they no matter whatever's on their mind comes out and they haven't realized oops maybe i shouldn't do that yeah. but sometimes this is why we love kids because what you see is what you get mm-hmm. and it's safe yeah how does that look like in the workforce oh yeah. You figure things out. And if you do step in one, say, oh, hey, oops, I shouldn't do that again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, well, and I think that if, um, 
we need to be able to demonstrate this willingness to fail because I've worked in a lot of organizations where it's so toxic if you fail that no one takes any risks and therefore mm-hmm. the organization never really goes anywhere, really. It doesn't. I mean, you kind of sort of milk the current revenue streams for all they're worth and sometimes it lasts a long time, um, decades even in, in really stodgy, slow-moving organizations. But um, but there's no, but, the, but it has to start with the leaders. The leaders mm-hmm. have to take risks and demonstrate when they fail and confess and show forgiveness and move on and figure out what that looks like. Right. Yeah. And, and it's absolutely. Not, um, not perfect, but, um, but yeah, it all starts, I think in simple ways, either at home or, or in, um, small one-on-one or small group settings. Now that leads into being humble leads into the next thing that will save your organization. And that's one of interdependency. Mm-hmm. Now the people will say, Hey, this is a messy one because interdependency is not complete dependence Mm -hmm. that means if this doesn't happen then i can't do my job but Mm -hmm. it's also not the wall is so high Mm -hmm. that i don't need your help so for example in this podcast you know if it's just me or just you then it's the consultant or the coach (laughs) we work together we are interdependent right I need you, you need me, and it works really, really well when we're working together as a team. Right. Same with organizations. Some people have a problem. They cannot trust anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have complete control over what you do, but you cannot scale with that. Yeah. But likewise, if you think, well, everything's collaborative and we're all equal in terms of our portion, that is that is too dependent on everyone else. So it's this interdependent both ways yeah yeah and i've been working with some teams around consulting around the team design Mm -hmm. comes brings into play here i think there's a lot of science org design work around how you build teams around a particular problem or more importantly if you can around a particular customer like a persona right and building a product Mm -hmm. and it's this key that that there's no one person ready to sort of bring everything you need to solve a particular problem or meet a particular customer need, right? But you yeah, have to actually, especially if it's complex, right? Anything significant, right? So you have to have your engineers, your designers, your architects, your um, pick, you know, the solution you need, right? Of people who can um, all come around this this uh, key problem. And so I think interdependency is really valuable when you can demonstrate that their parts are equal, but they're also diverse and required to sort of all collaborate to the point of synergy right so you're all achieving something mm-hmm. greater greater you know the, the sum of the parts is greater than you know the individuals right and this is also why you know we did that podcast on the six types of working genius from Lencioni sure, because yeah. you have six types that every organization needs well no one's going to knock out all six right. how do they come together and are they interdependent upon one another mm-hmm. you you have to be interdependent Yep. And if not, you're if 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 you're not, what you have is you have someone working out of their competency, or even worse, out of an area of weakness, and being the main honcho in charge, and that's not going to work. Right, right. Um, what's our last one here? Yeah, last one. I like this one: moderation and spontaneity. Mm-hmm. So think back to our kids, and our kids when they just you know. Kids just will do anything. Everything is spontaneous. Mm. Every facial feature is spontaneous. Mm. Absolutely uh, wonderful on one side. <laughs> Sometimes now you can't be doing that. I can't be running around our showroom out here saying, "Hey, it's time to have a party." Yeah, too spontaneous. 
But on the other time, you can't be so moderated. These are the people that you almost don't even know what they feel like. Right. So it's understanding what will save our team as being this combination of spontaneity on this side, but moderation on this type. Mm -hmm. And it's got to have both. Too spontaneous, things are way too crazy, too moderated. And you're like, uh, when do we get to have fun? Or you quit. Well, and I think that, again, you know, I found in applying this both to my own life, but working with other leaders is it's, it's, there's always starts with self-assessment and figuring out which of those two you're better at, right? Mm -hmm. What are you more inclined to do, moderation or spontaneity? And depending on your answer to that question, you then you have to intentionally uh, structure the other one into your life. You do. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really liked, um, the book by Bob Goff called Love Does, because uh, he talks a lot about the, the importance of whimsy. And I say that because at one point I was um, working at a large, you know, slow-moving health plan and found that one of the things to practice whimsy, I would try to structure a long lunch uh, during the day, hour and a half, you know, time frame, where I could literally wander around campus whimsically finding people and just having conversation, right? Because it would allow me to sort of find new things, have interesting conversations, engage in dialogue that had nothing to do with my day-to-day stuff. And and what did it do with your thinking? Oh, it freed my thinking up to sort of be more creative. It allowed me to to build really neat relationships with people that I didn't normally talk to all the time, sit down and talk for a few minutes, but I didn't have to rush off to my next meeting. I could um, even bounce from two to three to four lunch meetings effectively with around the cafeteria, right? Just bounce around talking to people for a few minutes, but intentionally... Because I fall to the moderation side. Yeah. Structure and spontaneity, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess it almost spaced spontaneity. Um, and, and likewise, folks who you know are very spontaneous need some discipline in their life. And so try to help them build a structure and routines that help them free up their um, creative capacity, to, but, but keep it within some level of um, moderation. So I think it's starting there and then doing that with your teams, helping mm-hmm. each of your team members find you know a balance between those two. Oh, yeah. And, you know... I so like it. I have it right here. You know, the, the, an example of that's the book Fish, which is this is an old book, but it's how like an old fish market, mm. which was failing, and they brought fun into things, which is it's about the Pike Place Market oh, okay. in Seattle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the story behind that. Oh, I've heard this. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, everyone goes there, and they're making great profits. And this this thing, I mean. An old, smelly fish market? Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. What do you mean it's fun? Yeah, they're throwing salmon across, you know, the aisle. And it, it's and, and that's how you take spontaneity and mm-hmm. throw it into work. And it's not just like, okay, let's have some beanbag chairs. No, like by doing that, they make amazing money for selling fish. Right. It works hand in hand. But you got to have moderation on one side, spontaneity on this side, and it actually goes together like right. that. Right, right, right. Yep, absolutely. So, hey, those are the five traits that will save your team. Equality, shielded vulnerability, humility, interdependent, and the combination of moderation and spontaneity. Sounds good. The next podcast is exactly how to do that. Because right. one thing one to know, it's, no, it's one to know about it. How you do it is another question yep but hey in the meantime uh if you're on uh, listening to us on um apple Podcasts or spotify check out our youtube channel or check us out on tiktok we are all across all platforms or better yet leave us a five-star review or share us with one friend to say hey this might be able to help your team understanding the difference between being interdependent on your team bless 
the other organizations that you talk to. But hey, if you want to reach out to us, go to theconsultantwithcoach.com. And next podcast, hey, we're going to teach you exactly how to do these five things. Sounds good. Okay. Hey, All right. Have a great day. Take it easy.